Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 99 of the Farbell Metal Podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. Before we get started today, I'd of course, like to invite you to head over to patreon.com slash farboundmetal. Sign up for that. There you can get bonus episodes, fun stories, and other good shit. The latest bonus episode includes me and a couple friends recapping the movie Deathgasm. Now, in this episode, Anders from Bloody Hammers discusses his first band, and I recommend Born a Ghost. Before all that, I welcome John Sherman from Red Fang onto the program. Red Fang are a sludgy hard rock band from Portland, Oregon that are known for fun music videos, fuzzy riffs, and crossover appeal. Over the last 16 years, Red Fang have released four records, a number of EPs and singles with the help from Day Trotter, Scion, Adult Swim, and a lot more. After a year of waiting, Red Fang released their latest album, Arrows, on June 4th via Relapse Records. John came on to talk about the delay of the record, working construction while not on tour, the band's recent colorful aesthetic, weird shows, and a lot more. Before we kick off the chat, here are some of the closer to Arrows. This is Funeral Coach. Solidarity, I'll click this the guy on. Uh, maybe I will. There we go. Cool. See how shiny and bald I am. Hello. How are you? Hey. Oh, yeah. I'm shiny. I'm, I'm getting bolder by the second. I uh, gave up on the whole dream of hair last year and all this. I I went to a barber <laughs> still and uh, was just like, no, nah, I'm just going to take a razor and take it out. And Yeah. Yeah, well, I was going to a, a, a really cheap uh barber but not it was not very the cleanest barber and then covid hit and i was like fuck so i didn't get a haircut for like six months and then when i finally needed a haircut i had to go pay like you know portland hipster prices for this <laughs> but now, now i'm back to the cheap place my guy uh actually he's since closed also uh he would charge you based on if he liked you i think he didn't have any. <laughs> he didn't have prices posted anywhere. He would just go and you'd shoot the shit with him for however long it would take you. This would take no time because I was getting cut. Like you've got yours, and then I was just like, "How much do I owe you?" And like he just kind of like give me a, pa- a pause and be like, 15 I'm like, "Okay, cool. I'll slip you a tip next time." I don't know if conversation didn't go the way he wanted. He said like twenty. I'm like, come on, it was fifteen last time, and a tip. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, how's this whole last year been for you? I imagine strange like the rest of us but uh being in a band and stuff it seems like it'd be a little different yeah it uh it was well you know i like i I can't complain about it because it happened to everyone in the world so you know it's like uh it's not just me that was going through some shit but it was an early year it sucked um for all kinds of reasons but but band-wise, it sucked because we had to put everything on hold and um, find uh, new ways to pay the bills. And we we didn't get together and jam for months and months and months and months because of this whole thing. And uh, it was weird, man. It was like you know, a lot of those moments where I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Am I going to be 
you know, I tried to, I was trying to learn a new trade, like learning remodeling houses. And um, I was like, man, am I going to be the 45 year old guy at the bottom of the totem pole in this construction crew? And that's like the rest of my life or what, you know, a lot of those <laughs> like weird thoughts, but um, now things are looking up, right? You know, the band is all vaccinated. So we just, this week is the first week we practiced together without masks. And even when we first started practicing together with masks, it was just still kind of weird, you know, like, I mean, definitely weird because we had to wear masks, but just weird being in a, you know, enclosed space that with people that aren't, aren't your family or whatever. Um, but it was also super fun when we first started to get back together. So now everything seems to be, well, there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel, you know, like, I can't believe that we have dates booked. Yeah. The, the tour is announced today as of this recording. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't know where I was like, man, this, fuck, we might not be able to tour ever. And you know, this record stop me if I'm in ahead of myself, but this record we had totally finished before COVID and we already had finished the arrows video was totally done before COVID and we had a U.S. tour booked and we had a European tour booked. All that stuff was ready to go. None of it was announced luckily because we had to cancel all of it, but we didn't have to, you know, refund tickets or, or deal with any kind of backlash from pulling the, you know, the, or postponing the release date or anything, but then it's just really hard to just kind of forget about all that for a year and have weird new focuses in life that <laughs> I wasn't ready for. So I'm happy that the record is finally coming out. No, I would uh, go ahead. Sorry. And, and tour, you know, like that's, I live to tour. And I will definitely come to the new record in a bit, but I, I'm fascinated by your foray into construction. Is this your was that your first run as like a, a remodeling guy, or is have is something you've done in the past? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I I um I was looking for something to do in between tours because even before COVID, we just hadn't done a lot of stuff. Uh, like 2019 was really slow for us as far as you know touring and and making any money. And um, so I was just trying to find something that I could do that was interesting. And I have a buddy that's kick-ass, like, you know, journeyman carpenter guy. And he worked for a um, fancy high-end remodel company. And he's like, hey, man, well, if you want to just learn some shit, you know, I'm sure they'd hire you as a helper and uh, for hardly any money, <laughs> but... I was like, yeah, I just wanted to get into it. You know, I wanted to learn about that stuff and I didn't know shit. Um, so I did that. And then, and luckily I had that job when COVID hit because I was only planning to do it for a few months and they knew that. It was like, I'll just do it until we go on tour and maybe I'll do it in between tours. But, um, and I, I did, you know, I just, I did it. I kept doing it all, all summer, last summer and all through the winter. Um, and I learned some cool stuff, but I just quit it recently because uh, I just really want to focus on 
this now. So, but I might go back to it. We'll see. Are you like, did you get so into that you're now like at home making sheds or something that are like more ornate than they need to be? Like, I, I'm assuming you're like, you like, okay, uh, studs go 16 inches apart. Is that like where we're stopping or are you getting into like lathes and all that good stuff? No, I, I, I don't do any woodworking at home yet. Yeah, um, but I just don't, I don't have a, um, a lot of space for it. I mean, this is, I'm in my drum room right now. I don't know if you can see, but this is like a little tiny little room. Uh, and the rest of the basement is not big enough for, for, uh, for the shop, but I would like to one day, but it has ruined me for, I can't go anywhere without judging, um, how well shit's put together, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like I see flaws that I would have otherwise not noticed. So I'm ruined for that, for that. Everything has to be really, uh, well, it doesn't have to be, but I, I just notice all, all kinds of flaws these days in construction. I get that. I, I worked at a hardware store for almost a decade in various departments, including like garden and the hardware stuff. And I know just enough to like notice errors. So I totally feel that. Yeah. Like my apartment here, I, was, I fix more things than our maintenance people have. And I technically don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know how to fix all the things that I notice are wrong, but I definitely know they're wrong. Mm -hmm. You know? And then, uh, like you said earlier, Eros has been done for over a year. Has that been weird from like a creative standpoint, coming back to these songs and presumably rehearsing them when they're seemingly so far in the past already, but they're also new? Um, yeah, it, it actually coming back to, to you know, relearning them and, and getting back in shape to play, you know, to play music again hasn't been that weird. The really weird part was before that happened. It was just so weird to think about how out of shape, you know, I was getting by not playing drums all the time and how um, out of touch the band was getting with each other because we were all dealing with, you know, our own personal crises in this global crisis. So the band just wasn't... Uh, interacting with each other very much for a long time. So that was weird. But then as soon as we started getting back together, it's like, oh, it's just so natural, you know. Um, it just hurts a little more. Like I'm sore, but got to get my reps in. Mm -hmm. but like I just, we, we were practicing today and um, and yesterday. Yesterday was the first time we, we got together as a full band, at least uh, in like, I don't know, several weeks. And it it was it hurt, you know. As soon as you start playing, it's like, ah, oh, fuck, my legs getting sore. It's like everything hurts. It's hard. But then by the end of practice, nothing was sore. Everything felt awesome. And today, that much better. And it's just about you know getting those reps in and getting back and and in fighting shape, so to speak. So, so swinging a hammer didn't then translate back down to the drum. You would think, but no, man, different muscles. It's weird. Uh, the album and merch around this album is all really bright and colorful, uh, and there's a lot of eyes and tigers and stuff. Why those <laughs> two particular symbols? Was that just Orion uh, Landau I wrote down going nuts, or did someone specifically request a tiger? 
No, I think it's it's mostly Ori. Um, he he uh, every every time he's done art for us, we'll get together and we'll talk about you know some ideas, and uh, and then he'll come back with kind of a sample of like, all right, so is this kind of what we were talking about? And it's always like, holy shit, yes, that's not only what we were talking about, but way better than what we were talking about. And definitely on this one, like, he knows, like, I'm a huge fan of high viz. So especially like when I was working construction, all my tools have high viz green all over them, you know? So this album art, it fits great with all my new tools too. (laughs) It's perfect. So uh, he was all about the high viz. Everyone was on board with that. And then as far as all the images, like the tiger and, and uh, the eyes, that's all straight up Ori. And, and, you know, he'll present like 20 different versions of stuff or, or different images to us. And, and we'll almost always agree on the, you know, the top five or six or whatever. And that tiger, I love that tiger so much. I, I, I got a kick drum head with that tiger on it. And finally, like, ordered it and was waiting for it. And it finally came, and it looked so bitching. And I put it on my kick drum, and then COVID hit. So no one's seen it. It's just been in the practice space for over a year. I can't wait to get that tiger out into the wild. I, I personally love when a hard rock or metal band will do something with bright colors. You're wearing a black shirt. I'm wearing a black shirt. You've played for seas of black shirts, but I love 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 just bright colors and then hefty riffs so i appreciate that as somebody that wants to shake up my closet (laughs) yeah i you know there's been tours where i um not take any black shirts on purpose like i don't want to have any black shirts the whole tour and i am wearing a black shirt too but it's just because it's a Mute Millennium t-shirt, which is a killer record store in Portland, and they just gave me this the other day when we stopped by. So, you know, it's a new shirt. Cool. But most of my shirts aren't black, believe it or not. I'm trying to get better. It's a slow process. Well, especially because most bands, you know, most bands make black shirts. So and if, if most of your shirts are band shirts, they're mostly going to be black. True. But I love... That's why I love like all those bootleg, uh, the, all the bootleg little tents at, at European festivals that have all the shirts and stuff. I love finding like a white Slayer shirt. Oh, that's that'd yeah. be awesome! <laughs> white Slayer shirt, it's great. I love it. I bet Carrie King would hate that too, which makes it a little funnier to me. <laughs> yeah, probably. That was some of the Red Fang classic Prehistoric Dog from Red Fang's Kinda Sorta first album compilation thing, Red Fang. I'll have more with John shortly, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere in this episode. Anders Manga from Bloody Hammers discusses his first band. Ah, oh, the 
first band I was in uh, was called The Traumatics, and it was it was really shitty. And it was like uh, the problem because I grew up in High Point, Greensboro, North, like uh, everybody. Like it was really hard to find like minded people in towns like that. Like because I was into like darker stuff back then. I was really into like gothic goth rock, like like Bauhaus, Sisters of Mercy, and stuff like that. When I was, you know, when I was first kind of getting into music. I mean, I went through my thrash metal phase and all that too, but I was kind of like in the dark. But everybody I would find would be like into like ZZ Top or Van Halen or shit like that. And it was like, I mean, those bands are cool, but it just wasn't what I was looking into. So it, it was just like this mad, like this bad mix of different influences that didn't work well together. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like... So yeah, uh, it was terrible, but it sounded like I don't even know what it sounded like. It was just it was just terrible. <laughs> but but back in those days, it was really hard to get a gig. In the it, back in the day, in this area, it was really hard to find a gig if you weren't a cover band. Like mm-hmm. everybody wanted top forty, or just not top forty, just like you know cover bands. They just whatever you know. ACDC or whatever that kind of shit that everybody would know, and not the ACDC shit. I love ACDC. Oh, no, I'm I saying like they wanted like covers. They didn't want you to play originals, so it was difficult in the city I grew up in to even do originals. So that's kind of, that's what it was. Cool. <laughs> I mean, the shitty seems to be a, a through line in every time I ask this question, and no one wants to listen to it again when I ask, could you listen to it without cringing? Uh, I'm assuming you couldn't. Uh, yeah, absolutely not. Just, just burn it. Burn <laughs> it. Just fire. Kill it. Bloody Hammers dropped Songs of Unspeakable Terror in January via Napalm Records. You can get a copy now over at bloodyhammers.bandcamp.com. Then hear my full chat with Anders on episode 90. Find that at farbandmetalpodcast.com. Now before I conclude this conversation with John Sherman from Red Fang, here are some of my favorite track from the new record, Arrows. This is Fonzie Scheme. Uh, there's also D twenty on the album cover. Are you an RPG guy, D and D, or anything of the sort? No, but um, Brian is, or has been, and um, Chris Funk 
who produced the record definitely is. And we've been trying to uh, work on this D&D module that is pretty amazing, but we don't know what to do with it. We can't find a, a home for it yet. But, um, but yeah, we, we, we want to get into D&D more, and we haven't. But we've been working on it. But also Ori, that's another Ori thing. He loves those. If you notice Ori art for other bands, you'll see that, that, uh, that you know, however many sided die, I don't know which, which one it is, but you'll see several multi-sided dies in his art pop up. It's just, you know, kind of part of that whole like magical, mystical imagery that is cool to look at. Nerd shit, love it. I love nerd shit. <laughs> What's the weirdest, nerdiest thing you own? Hmm. Well, I do have several books on Scrabble. So that is probably the nerdiest thing I own. What's a book on Scrabble, if not a dictionary? That's me being ignorant, uh, also kind of serious. <laughs> well, uh, the whole band, well, not the, not David. David and Aaron didn't really get into it so much, but me and Brian and our, our tour manager, Chris Coyle, uh, got really, really into Scrabble for a long time. And uh, when you get really into Scrabble, you end up getting books that have, you know, that break down all the three-letter words and all the four-letter words and all kinds of different ways to uh, memorize these high-scoring words that, you know, you don't have to know what they mean. You just have to know that they're legal and they can score points. And there's a great book about Scrabble that I also own. And I get it confused. I think it's called Word Freak. But there's there's another book about crosswords. It's called Word something. But I think it's Word Freak. Um, I recommend it. It's a good read. Okay. Even if you don't like Scrabble. You'll probably get into Scrabble after reading it. I, I like brief- tournament Scrabble, crazy. I briefly played Words with Friends. Is that is that basic bitch stuff? No, I like you know I got really into Words with Friends for a while because the Scrabble app sucks and um, and Words with Friends was you know the next. But I resisted it for a long time because the board is a little different and I was kind of a Scrabble purist for a while. Which you know I don't think anybody should be a purist about anything. Fucking shit changes, shit gets better or worse, whatever. But you know don't. Don't just stick to your guns on something out of stupid bullshit principle. There's all kinds of cool shit out there to experience. So I got really into words with friends, but now it's like an ad after every turn, I think. So I don't play anymore. And I'm not on Facebook, so I can't I don't know how to connect with. Oh, yeah. I forgot that's friends. part of it. You're probably better Everything off. tries to tie you into Facebook or they, they get their, their claws into everything. Sucks. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I do know you're on Instagram, which is part of their deal, unfortunately. No, and I'm on Instagram, but you know, it's I, I you know, I gotta have some connection to True. <laughs> what's going on. Uh coming back to the album, I read that you did your drums in a skate pool. Did you have to drop in to do yes. a trick to warm up? Um like that's <laughs> such a weird, cool, like a uh, little bit of this album that I've just never consider the acoustics of a pool yeah it's pretty amazing and the the studio that we we recorded at um is nuts it's it's 
this really cool studio in Portland and the studio itself is pretty small, but the, the building house compound that it's in is, uh, is, is bigger and there's all kinds of stuff in there. Not just, not just, um, uh, recording sound recording stuff. There's all kinds of other arts that, that happen in this building and there's a skate pool and the building and the studio and everything in there was, was built, paid for by um, this guy, Sandy, who, who worked at Nike. And I think he was, in, he was like the guy who was in charge or, or started the Nike skate program. So the, the pool is a skate pool, not a swimming pool. It was designed by Lance Mountain and it's right outside the studio doors, but it's inside. So there's all kinds of crazy echo it's a cement pool and it's like basically warehouse kind of situation. So Chris Funk, uh, who produced this record and, and runs that studio, he has recorded lots of drums in that studio um, or in that pool and, and thought that we should do it. And I said, well, of course, yeah, we got to. And, you know, he was saying that most of the time they don't really work out that great. But I think something about hard-hitting drummer in that environment, it, it sounded really cool. And so they're kind of just mixed in some of the songs. Like I recorded all the songs in the regular uh, drum room and then went down to the pool for four or five songs and they just kind of blended them in as needed. But if it's, if it's like a faster song with too much stuff going on, you won't, you don't notice, you know, like you need a more tight sound. A, more t- a tighter sound but uh if there's enough room to really appreciate all that crazy reverb and decay then it's awesome very cool and like i said earlier today you guys announced some tour dates which is rad there are four tbas and california is not on the list so i've got my eye on you guys but um the one time i was able to actually see you guys you opened for opeth and inflames which was kind of a weird tour in that you're not swedish um, yeah. what was the strangest tour or festival you've ever been on? Cause you guys have a lot of crossover appeal and, you know, pop up on all sorts of festivals. Uh, yeah, we've done a lot of weird, um, it, you know, and that's kind of, that's one of the things I love about, uh, about our band is that we don't, we're kind of hard to pigeonhole. So we, we can, you know, be on like some extreme metal festival in the Czech Republic and then be, you know, on some festival with Snoop Dogg and, and Bjork or something, which is awesome. Did I love that, that kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. You played with Bjork? Yeah. So well, it's... same festival. Yeah, that's what I mean. But that, that happens a lot in Europe. Like some of those bigger festivals, you know, you'll have like Neurosis and, and us and uh, I don't know, somebody else on, on one stage and then you'll have my bloody Valentine and, you know, Portishead on a stage and then Queens of the Stone Age over here. And like, I love that kind of shit. I love really eclectic festivals because I like lots of different kinds of music, but maybe the, I don't know, weirdest for us, the biggest like culture shock was back when we first did, uh, when we did the mayhem fest, tour in like 2011 uh, when Murder the Mountains came out because we had never done anything like that um, and we didn't know who most of those bands were like 
we just weren't, you know, we just felt like the old, like dirty, weird dudes, like not dirty, like creepy, but right. like dirt was on us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like our, we just, you know, we didn't, we're not like the stylish, uh, cool young guys. And, uh, so that was interesting, but it was super fun. I loved that tour. It was just weird. Um, yeah, I think America's kind of coming around to that whole weird festival thing. Like, you guys are playing Psycho, which also has Flaming Lips, which is bananas, but yeah. awesome to me. I love the idea that Hammer Smash Face and Do You Realize could be played on the same stage. And that's so cool to me, because I yeah. think Cannibal Corpse is also playing, of course. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've been a, a Lips fan since, you know, the 90s. So uh, I've seen I've seen... Lots of Lips shows. Um, first time I saw the Lips was probably right before Clouds Taste Metallic came out. Oh, and, okay. uh, you know, we were all eating acid and there was Christmas lights everywhere and it was phenomenal. They put on a good show. I love that they had the lights, but that's definitely before they had constant confetti money because Wayne goes nuts now with all their... Oh, yeah, yeah. This was like... This was at, at the Cat's Cradle in uh, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I'm from North Carolina, so this I, I can't remember who else played that show, but I do remember when the lights kicked on. Everything kicked on, like you know, it Perfect. was a psychedelic experience. Perfectly timed, great. nice. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for talking to me today. Uh, I the new record drops Friday. It's really cool. I've basically listened to it all morning, and since the promo Thanks. came across my e desk, so. Uh, like I said, I've got my eye on those question mark days, but uh, if things work out, hopefully see you guys soon. Awesome. I hope so, man. Fingers crossed. All right. by Red Fang is out now via Napalm Records. You can get your copy and see if their band is coming to your town at redfang.net. To wrap this episode, I'm going to recommend that you check out the band Born a Ghost. Born a Ghost are a doom sludge experimental trio from Tacoma, Washington. Last year, they released their debut EP, Signals, and they're currently prepping their first full album, The Beginning to an Ending. The release of that is still TBA, but in the meantime, here is the album's track, Shun the Believer, in its entirety.
The beginning to an ending will be released soon. While you wait, head over to born-a-ghost.bandcamp.com to get Shun the Believer and the band's EP signals now. That'll do it for this episode. If you want more, Far Bad Metal, farbandmetalpodcast.com. There you can find links for the Patreon, patreon.com slash farbandmetal. Past episodes, the store length, friends of mine, all sorts of good shit. If you're in a band, talk to me on there. That'll get you on the show. Then, of course, the theme song is Far Bad Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.